And I pray, Father, that uh, as always, that your word would be rightly divided and that my sisters and brothers would be uh, just focused on what you have for us, Father. Let go of the cares of the day. Just meditate on the word that you've given us for this evening, Father, for each and every one of us individually and collectively. So we thank you, Father, for that sweet, sweet worship. We thank you for the prayers that have already been sent up. And we pray that you would just continue to receive the prayers of the hearts that were going up during this time that we spent together. Have your way in this place tonight. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Uh, Tonight, we're going to dive into uh, Daniel chapter 3. Daniel chapter 3. And Lord willing, we're going to attempt to cover 18 verses. I know you've heard this all before, and it usually doesn't happen, but the word says all things are possible. So we're going to lean on that tonight. For those who who may not have... uh, had an opportunity to to read this book. I'll just give you a uh, just a, a re recap of basically what took place. Uh, briefly, uh, Nebuchadnezzar went out and recruited uh, some young men, teenagers by today's standard, and he wanted them to uh, be an active part of his kingdom. And uh, there were some requirements. Um, They had to be above average intelligence. They had to be uh, handsome. They had to be able to follow uh, the king's orders. They had to be of good standing in the community. And there were other other things that, that were required. And as they became part of Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom, uh, Nebuchadnezzar had a dream, and it concerned a statue in, in different parts. And Nebuchadnezzar wanted his soothsayers, his 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 wise people, to interpret the dream. Now, in past, the the kings would say, "This is what I dreamed." Now, I want you to give me the interpretation of what that means. Nebuchadnezzar took a different approach, a much more difficult approach. I want you to tell me what I dreamed and then tell me what it means as well. Now, that's got to be very difficult for, for these men because they really don't have any power beyond the average man. So they can give their opinion of what the dream signifies, but they can't tell him what the dream was. And that was the demand that he put on them. And none of these men could deliver that. Well, just tell us what you dreamed and we'll tell you what it means. But that wasn't enough for him. I want you to tell me what I dreamed and what it means. So they could not deliver on that. So Nebuchadnezzar said he was going to put them all to death. So he put out the the edict for them to be destroyed. His, um, the, the king of the eunuchs, chief of the eunuchs came in and said, we have this one person, this young man, Daniel, that says that he can tell you what it means. So Nebuchadnezzar spared them for a brief time, and he brought in Daniel. 
and Daniel prayed to the Lord that he could tell Nebuchadnezzar his dream and what it means, and Daniel did. And Nebuchadnezzar, for the first time, acknowledged Jesus Christ. But it didn't last very long. As Nebuchadnezzar started to become more into himself and his kingdom, he forgot about how this all came to be. So Daniel is coming in now, coming back now, and, and, and letting him know that he had acknowledged Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior. And now, as his kingdom was growing, Nebuchadnezzar lost track of that, and he started to believe more in himself. So what he did, he brought all the, the heads of state, and uh, he brought in different people of different levels and, and asked them to bow down to his statue now, the statue that he had created in his dreams. And that's where we are. That's where we'll start in chapter 3. So I'll read, and then we'll go back and uh, take it apart. Daniel chapter 3, verse 1. Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits and is width 6 cubits. He set it up in the plain of Dura in the providence of Babylon and King Nebuchadnezzar sent word together together the satraps, the administrators, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image which King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. So the satraps, the administrators, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces gathered together for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then a herald cried aloud, To you it is commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages, that at the time you hear the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and psaltery, and symphony with all kinds of music, you shall fall down and worship the gold image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace." So at that time, when all the people heard the sound of the horn, flute, harp, and lyre, and symphony with all kinds of music, all the people, nations, and languages fell down and worshipped the gold image which King, which King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. We'll stop there briefly. Uh, just want to talk about uh, the, the arrogance of this man. Nebuchadnezzar arrogantly made this statue to represent himself as an expression of the greatness and glory and reflected the dream where he was a king in the head with his head of gold. This statue is huge, 90 feet high and 9 feet wide. And this statue established the worship of Nebuchadnezzar and the nation under his power in addition to the other gods. There were many gods, and that was part of the problem because there was such a great deal of idolatry in that nation that it was just totally out of control. And... You know, when, when we read these things, we look at that and say, oh, my goodness, you know, this, this thing is just wild. It's, it's, it's just too much. But when we look around today and really pay attention, are we more, much more different today than we were in this time? And we don't have a king of that, of that nature, of the nature of Nebuchadnezzar, but there's people, there's, there's, there's people in, in in leadership during our time right now 
that have these, this same type of mindset. So they tend to establish a certain amount of power where they can do things. And if we don't oppose, these things go unchecked. And a lot of times we don't because even though we don't like to admit it, we're so caught up in the mob mentality. Well, well not me. I, you know, I'm taking a stand for the Lord. Yeah, you do. We do. But is it a solid stand? Or can we be blown away by the, the, any, any wind that, that comes along? Can we be blown away by any mandate that comes along? And, and we can only offer so much resistance. And sometimes we get pulled into these things, into these waves of humanity for the sake of keeping the peace, for the sake of not going against the law. One of the problems that we have is the, the word of God tells us to obey the authority that he has put in place. And we struggle with that. Even now, we see what's going on in the world. How can I be obedient to this, this man or this woman that's making these awful rules, these awful laws, these awful mandates for us to follow? How can I do that? But we still have to remember, God is in control. And I don't say that we forget it, but sometimes it's just not convenient for us to believe that. Why would a loving God allow something like this to happen? Why would a loving God allow all these things to be taken away from us? Because he knows what's best. And sometimes it's in our best interest to have things taken away. Sometimes it's in our best interest to have these things um, moved around so that we can appreciate how loving our God is. I'm looking around this room and, and all I see is overcomers. Everybody in this room is an overcomer. You've overcome all the things that we've gone through. Things that we say, oh, we'll never get through this. We've lost loved ones as a result. We've lost respect for others as a result. We lost our, our confidence in Jesus as a result. And we cannot afford to do this. We have to lean on him. And, and, at the, and when, we're, when we get through this, I just want to go back and encourage us with some of the words that he's given us in a particular book. But I just want to explain right now with those satraps, they were leaders over regions. They were civil leaders, military chiefs, counselors, and lawyers. And these were the people that made the laws of the land. But Nebuchadnezzar had the last word. And Nebuchadnezzar wanted to be big. He, he was concerned about his kingdom. That's why he had this dream. He had established such a large kingdom until he was afraid that something was going to happen. Because hysterically, Historically, something has always happened. Someone has always come along and wiped out that, that nation, that, that army, or the, that nation of people that was so strong, always. So Nebuchadnezzar was concerned about that. And in this, in this context, the, these people uh, were envious of these young Jews and sought their death. They wanted to kill these young men because they, they just didn't think that they had the ability to to lead and they thought that these young men were going to fall in line what what Nebuchadnezzar wanted and if you read these books especially uh, you know the kings in 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 the book of kings and see how these Jews they would do great for a while and then things would just go astray they would do great for a while things would go astray and it was continuous effort and, and when I look around, I ask, 
art myself. Anything new under the sun? Is there anything that these people were doing that we're immune to today? What's the idol in your life? What's the idol in my life? And, and I, can, I can share with you from personal experience with me without going into detail, but it, it was an issue. I look at the Jews and, and Kings, especially the book of Kings and Samuel, and I look how they were in and out, in and out, in and out. And I can remember uh, for myself, uh, you know, born in a Christian home, raised as a Christian, and from the age of 19 to the age of 26, I turned away. And even though I was old enough, I was, uh, I was trained up in the word. I knew what it, the downside, I knew the consequences of sin, but the world at that time in my mind offered me something that was better. I was having fun. I was able to obtain toys because of how they were compensating what I did. So I did all these things. And I, I, don't, I don't mean for this to sound boastful, folks. It's just that you don't know. Uh, when I think of Jeremiah, the heart of man is deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? Uh, I would never do that. I would never go there. And I can't argue with what Jeremiah said. And I can't defend it for anyone that I love because you don't know what you're capable of. I would have never thought that I would have turned away. How do you taste and see that he is good yet turn away? And I know some of you may be dealing with that even now. How do you do that? I don't understand it, but I did it. And I still don't understand it. Why would you turn away? Because the world has, has first of all, the enemy is relentless. He doesn't stop. He knows how to draw you in and you in and you in. He knows how to draw you in, and that's what he does. And he does not have to change his tactics over time. He keeps using the same old tactic over and over and over again. I know your weakness, and I'm going to keep using the same lure for you fishermen out there. I'm going to keep using the same lure to pull you in, and it works. And that's what I got caught up in. And he gave me an opportunity to, to share that with so many people over the years. And praise God, it was only seven years. I say only, but that was a long time. Seven years was a long time for me because I knew what I, the way I was living wasn't right. But the world had such a hole. You know, I had these hooks in my skin, and they just kept working over and over. So I think about that now because even today... Nebuchadnezzar is still recruiting. Those, those prodigal sons, those prodigal daughters that, you, that we, not you, we have to deal with. Nebuchadnezzar is still drawing them in. He's still calling them. He's still offering the world. He's still offering something that's bigger, shinier, faster, more colorful. You name it. He's still offering those things, and, and some of us are still buying it. And unfortunately, that does not go away when you reach a certain age. Well, maybe when you get over 40, uh, maybe it disappears. Not true, my friends. Not true. It, does, it has nothing to do with your age. It has to do everything to do with your heart. So if you keep on loving him, keep on believing in him, then we'll, we'll be fine. Uh, let's skip down to uh, verse 12. Uh, it says... 
Um, They are certain Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not paid due regard to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the gold image which you have set up. And that is the reason why these priests, priests, again, what the words say, even the elect if possible, the priests wanted to destroy these young Jews and sought their death. There was no concern for that at all. And in, in addition to that, these were in, enemies of God's service. And they witnessed such a clear-cut testimony that there was no doubt about their rejection of idolatry and unshakable, immovable allegiance to the God of Israel. There was no question about these young men. They took a stand. And one thing that, that, that I noticed, I'll read verse 13 and I'll... Then Nebuchadnezzar, in rage and fury, gave the command to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, so they brought these men before the king. Daniel's not mentioned here. Don't know why. You know, I tried to, to find out why Daniel wasn't mentioned. All it is, it, no, is he was not. He was not mentioned as being part of the refusal to worship witnessed by the Chaldeans. If he was present, he would have joined the others in faithfulness to God. We know that based on what we've learned prior to this and what we're going to learn after this. Daniel was faithful to God in every respect. And he knew, Nebuchadnezzar knew, that God was the one that gave Daniel the ability to, to determine what the dream was all about. They both knew it. But you'll, you'll see as we go along a little bit later that Nebuchadnezzar conveniently forgot that he did acknowledge the Lord. Now he's going to go back to being focused on himself. This, these, these young men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they, they took a stand. They took a stand for what they believed in. They were not going to cave in to the, the world's demands on them or their lives or their belief. They were not going to bow down to the statue. They were not going to worship the many idols that they had. Uh, at that time. And so this is the other people, the, the people that we mentioned earlier, didn't appreciate that. They thought that it was disrespectful to the king. They thought that, that these young men had every right to, to cave in like everybody else, which is how they look at us. Well, everybody else is doing it. Why don't you? And we could give examples of, you know, uh, Pastor talks about over the last couple of years, some of the things that we've subjected ourselves to. And no one in this room could have, or, or in the sound of my voice for that matter, could have imagined what we would go through. And it's very difficult to comprehend how much we gave in and how much we're still giving in even today. A lot of heartbreak as a result of them saying, well, you're going to do what we do. You're going you're to follow this commandment or there's consequences. Some of us were bold enough to say, okay, I'll take the consequences. Some of us were not. Some of us compromised and gave in. And there, there are probably regrets from either side, but it doesn't matter. You, I pray that you did what the Lord put on your heart and that you're able to live with that, regardless of which, which road you chose. Verse 15 
Now if you are ready at the time you hear the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and psaltery, and symphony with all kinds of music, you will fall down and worship the image which I have made good. <laughs> but if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning fiery furnace, and who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? Nebuchadnezzar, back in uh, a few verses back in, in chapters 2, acknowledge it. And now he's going back to more belief in Nebuchadnezzar. And who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? You've already acknowledged Jesus Christ. And now he conveniently forgot about that. So who is that God? Who is that God that would deliver him? And just as he was able to reveal Nebuchadnezzar's dream and its meaning, Nebuchadnezzar had earlier called him the God of gods. Verse 247, chapter, verse, Daniel chapter 2, verse 47. But he had faded, but this had faded from his memory. And he's going to be shocked later because in verse 3, chapter, chapter 3, verses 28 to 29, the true and living God is going to challenge Nebuchadnezzar on that one statement. And who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? It's all about Nebuchadnezzar now. So he's going to, I won't say he's going to regret it, but it's going to cause him to really do some deep searching. Are you going to follow this true or living God? Or are you going to follow what Nebuchadnezzar believes and that's what we, that's the commitment that we have to make. Are you going to follow the true and living God, or are you just going to go follow the God of your own making? Are you going to follow the idols that you set before yourself? You have to make that decision. And in this, this particular passage, uh, one of the things that I titled it was, Choose This Day Who You Will Serve. And the rest, you know, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You have to make that decision. Have to. No one can make it for you. you you're not going to get by on just following the crowd or mob mentality. What has the Lord called you to do? Some of us are determined that we're going to stick with our idols because it's a sense of comfort. What is your idol? What is my idol? Is that what we're going to subject ourselves to? Are we going to be honorable to the Lord? Because he only honors those who honor him. So we need to honor him in order to receive the rightful blessings that he will give us. Verse 16, back in uh, chapter, chapter 3. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. And that's one of the things that we learn. When we hear things like this, we have no need to get into a debate or argue with someone about what they believe. We can try and encourage them through the word based on facts, based on the word, not our opinion, not our emotion. We have an obligation as Christians to encourage our sisters and brothers. It does not mean that we get into a debate, we get into arguments with them about what we believe. Give them the word, the word of God. And these three men meant no disrespect, and they also had no defense. And they didn't need to reconsider their commitment since the, uh, they continued to take a stand for the only true and living God. 
That's my encouragement to us. Take a stand for the true and living God. Um, and be careful with that. In our world today, that, that's such a broad word. I believe in God. So feel, uh, feel like it's okay to ask the question, who is God? Who is this God that you believe in? Well, the answer could go in so many different places. Be careful when we get into these conversations, if we get into these conversations, who is God? Even more so, you will, you will divide the, the, the group if you use the word Jesus, the name of Jesus. You'll find that there will be sometimes a great divide, which is okay. We chaff. And be careful that we make sure that when we're, we're sharing the word of God, that we understand that we're at least on the same level ground when we use this terminology. There's certain, certain religious systems out there that use the word Jesus. It's a different Jesus. Make sure. Well, who is this Jesus that you're, you're talking about? And make sure that you understand in order to understand, you must study and show yourself approved. If you don't know the truth, then you're also not going to be able to determine the lie. Know the word, read the word, study the word, meditate on it, pray about it, ask questions. Ask the sisters and brothers among us who spent many, many, many years, and it's not about time, it's about quality of, of the learning. It's about what you're learning, what you're gleaning from. Ask the Holy Spirit, how do I witness to my son, my daughter, about the Lord? And I just got to say one thing that I, I repeat frequently, and it's very important. They're going to see your life before they hear your words. I say it a lot, and I'm going to continue to say it. Because a lot of people still don't understand what that means. Well, I told them all about Jesus. And, and, but they're seeing the way you're living. A lot, the way you're living is a lot louder, a lot clearer than your words. When you're ministering to them, make sure that you're living out what you're teaching, what you're preaching. It's very important. And none of, the, none of us are beyond that. None of, us are, none of us are above that. We all have this tendency to say this thing, and we don't always live it. I can stand here, and I can just try and encourage you through everything that the Lord has put in my life. Am I here or just a doer? In order to be effective, we must be doers. Must. It's not an option. Yeah, we can talk about it, but let's be about it. So with, with these two men, and, and just to understand, even the, the, if you can envision, let's just go back to the furnace. It's made a special way. It's made so it's a funnel. So the thing is, when you drop something down into that fire, it's immediately into the fire. There's no escape hatch. There's no trap door. None of that. So once they drop these men in there, they're going to burn. Or once they drop anyone in there, they're going to burn. It's an immediate thing. It's not where you can stand outside of, to the outer parameter of the uh, furnace and, and not feel the heat. You're going to feel it. 
And we're going to talk about that later on because it's going to explain to us that these men were dropped in, but they didn't get burned. And, you know, these people of science give us this, these strange explanations of why they didn't. And that's what we, need to, we, we contend with, these people that come up trying to explain the things of the Bible. And no, no. And when we look at the physicality of how these things are designed, they're designed to immediately destroy anything that's dropped down that funnel. It may seem like a small piece of information, but it's very important because we need to understand the power of our God, the power of the Jesus to save. As our sister was singing tonight, uh, there's no mountain he won't climb up. There's no wall that he won't kick down. There's no lie that he won't tear down coming after you. And what I talked about uh, just a few minutes ago, you know, I, I can't really say I was at that one out of 99 because there were some who strayed even further, strayed and he got to the edge of the cliff and those were the ones that he went after. And he will go after them no matter what, no matter how wretched you are, he'll come after you. And I want uh, the ones here tonight who are feeling like they're at the end. There's no hope. There's always hope. As long as there's breath in your body, as long as you have a heart to surrender to him, he'll come after you. Uh, Pastor talked about it, uh, if not today, maybe a week ago. It has to do with free will. It has to do with free will, and that's where we get into trouble. Okay, I'm going to allow you to do whatever you want to do. Just remember there are consequences. Well, I can take it. I'm willing to take these consequences because I'll survive. And you probably will. But when you allow yourself to get caught up into that, there are things that will never heal. There are psychological scars, spiritual scars, emotional scars that will never heal. One of the things that we have to be careful with, friends, is deception. Deception. What is it about deception? Well, I'll tell you what it is about deception. Because you don't know you're being deceived. I wish I had known that years ago, months ago, weeks ago. That's where prayer comes into play. No matter what situation you're in, no matter how tragic it may seem, no matter how emotionally draining it may seem, the Lord is doing something in that process, always. But why would the Lord allow this to happen? Because he loves you. Why did the Lord bless me? Because he loves you. See, that's one of the problems with being uh, God. He's love. He's love. He's love. And he's going to keep on giving us, taking, giving and taking, depending on what he determines is in our best interest, not what we determine is in our best interest. So with these young men, they took a stand. And like it or not, their lives were in the hands of um, the only high and lofty one. There's only one high and lofty one. 
that they knew that their hand, their lives were in the hands of that one. And, and that high and lofty one is our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And if you want to verify that, we can, we can just go back and reread uh, chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. And we will. 3, 17 and 18. If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor we worship the gold image which you have set up. We need to be able to say that today with a pure heart. I will not worship the idols that you, Mr. Mayor, you, Mrs. Senator, you, whomever, I will not worship that. And we find that very challenging. We find that very difficult because it's, sometimes it's a lot easier to compromise. So God bless all of you that took a stand for what you believed in. Regardless, you took a stand. And that's important because if you don't take a stand, then the demands are going to be even worse. And it's, it's very challenging for me to, to stand here and share with you guys and not touch on what's going on in, in the world. But the only reason I don't is because I don't know. And I mean that sincerely. I really don't know. All I know is what I hear from you guys, what I hear from my wife, what I hear from my brothers in, in Bible study. And I'm being totally honest with you. It's, it's, I'm not saying it's a good thing, but I've been tuned out for years, literally. And I get asked, well, how can you do that? Don't you know what's going on around you? Well, okay, right now uh, I can either read the news or listen to the news, or I can read Ezekiel 38 and 39. Those are my options. And I find that I have a lot more confidence when I read the word to see what's going on or what is coming than I do when I read this. So it's a challenge. And it's not for everybody. Please don't misunderstand me. Some people got to know what's going on. And that's how they do. I know Pastor Rob talks about CNN and Fox and I don't know. There's several other things I'm sure I'm not aware but it just seems like whatever the Lord wants me to know about what he wants me to know about, he brings it to me from you guys. Hey, Richard, did you see on the news where? No, I did not. No, I didn't. Didn't you hear that? No, I did not. Well, don't you know that? No. Who is that person that you just mentioned? And somehow the Lord has allowed me to survive all these years without having to tune in. And the way I look at it, I would rather allow my heart to be filled with the good news rather than to be overwhelmed by the bad news. That's how I live. It's not for everybody. But somehow, he gets me through it. I still sleep at night, even though I don't know what's going on in, over there. I still have a, I'm able to smile and, and have a little uh, 
frivolity with my friends without really knowing. But it's not for everybody. So uh, I just want to go back and, and, and do some reading. If you guys will go with me, I'd like to go to Isaiah 43. Please. Isaiah chapter 43. In, in doing this, uh, the, the, the song that came to mind is, I know my Redeemer lives. Forty-three, verse one. But now, thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. Fear not, don't be afraid, do not fear. And we see that all over, and there's a reason for that. Because we're wrapped in flesh, human flesh, we do fear. Some people lose sleep over what's going to happen tomorrow, or next week, or next month. He's saying, don't fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. We are his. When you pass through the water, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. Nor shall the flame scorch you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I gave Egypt for your ransom, Ethiopia and Seba in your place. Since you were precious in my sight, you have been honored. And I have loved you. Love you. Therefore, I will give men for you and people for your life. Fear not again, for I am with you. I will bring your your descendants from the east and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up, and to the south, do not keep them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom whom I have created for my glory, I have formed him. Yes, I have made him or I have made you. This encouragement, my friends, no matter where you are, no matter what you're going through, no matter what you see coming up, it's addressed here. How much more can he do to encourage us? Only believe. Simple as that. Only believe. Do you trust him? Yeah, Lord, I trust you. Bring out the blind people who have eyes and the deaf who have ears. Let all the nations be gathered together and let the people be assembled. Who among them can declare this and show us former things? Let them bring out their witnesses and they may be justified or let them hear and say, it is truth. Brother Richard, what is truth? It's been asked before. What is truth? The word of God is truth. You want to know? 
dig in. Don't understand it. It's very difficult. Ask the Holy Spirit. He will teach us. I won't say you. He will teach us because it's a process. And there's nobody that we know who has all of this. Nobody. Let all the nations be gathered together and let the people be a symbol who among let the people be a symbol who among them can declare this and show us former things. Let them bring their witnesses that they may be justified to let them hear and say it is true. You are my witnesses, said the Lord. You and you and you are his witnesses. You are his witnesses. What does that mean? And my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me. That you may know. How do you know? How do you know? You know because you've allowed yourself to learn. You've allowed yourself to be taught. His word is truth. And when you read it, there's no reason to doubt. And all these things that he's declaring here. He has done, he is doing, and he will do. There's nothing here that's beyond his capability. Nothing. Nothing. This thing that you're going through, is it overwhelming? Sure it is. That prodigal, do you lose sleep thinking about them at night? Sure you do. Will they ever come back to you? You can't know. Here's the thing. You think that coming back home to you is a better thing. Jesus may have a different plan. I want to move them away. I want them to go out and grow up and create a personal relationship with me. Because as long as that child is with you, they're thinking, my mom's saved, my dad's saved, so I'm in. No. No. It's all about a personal relationship with him. You are my witnesses, says the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen that you may know and believe me. Only believe, know, and be known. Very important. And understand that I am he. I am that I am. I am he. Before me, there was no God formed, nor shall there be any after me. Wow. I, even I, am the Lord, and besides me there is no Savior. There's no Savior. A gentleman proclaimed uh, just yesterday that I accepted him as my Lord, but it took me a few more years to accept him as my Savior. He must be your Lord and Savior. There's a great divide between the two. As far as we're concerned, he must be all in all. Must be all in all. I have declared and saved. I have proclaimed and there was no foreign God among you. No idols. No distractions. God and God alone. Therefore, you are my witness. But you said that already. Yeah, but I want you to get it. 
I want you to understand that you are my witnesses. You, uh, you all, we all are his witnesses. But I asked you, brother, already, what does that mean? What is a witness? Somebody who can verify, testify to what they saw or heard. That's a witness. We've seen his mighty works. We've seen the power of prayer. We've seen the great uh, physician perform. We've seen it. Everybody in this room has seen it. We've been in situations that we thought were hopeless. But Jesus came through and gave us hope. We've seen situations in our lives that were just too much for us. We were just completely undone. We became undone. But Jesus made a good thing out of it. He made, uh, he made it good. He made beauty from ashes. And some of us can testify to that. Some of us are going through some things now that seem detrimental to our very lives. But we know a God who saves. We know a God who has no limits. We know a God who's encouraging you so many different ways. We know a God that has someone in this book that has been through what you're going through. And he will show you the outcome. He will cause you to believe in Romans 8. He will cause you to understand what it means to glory in in tribulation. He will cause you to understand I'm a sovereign God, so I do these things because I love you. I'm a sovereign God because I took away the person that you love more than anyone. I'm a sovereign God because I took away the the life of a young child. I'm a sovereign God because I allowed that, that wicked man to prosper by the world standard. I'm a sovereign God because I will never leave you nor forsake you. But God, I'm a failure. Don't you know? Yes, I do, my son, my daughter. The way you define failure is a lot different from what I define failure. But God, you don't understand. No, I'm God. Did you forget? Therefore, you are my witnesses, says the Lord, that I am God. Indeed, before the day was, I am he. And there was no one who can deliver it out of my hand. I work and who will reverse it. What he has done, no one can take away. What he is doing, no one can alter. Thus said the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, for your sake I was sent to to Babylon and bring them all down as fugitives, the Chaldeans who rejoice in their ships. I am the Lord, your Holy One, the Creator of Israel, your King. Thus says the Lord, who makes a way in the sea and pass through the mighty waters. Are you telling me that I can go through these waters, this river, and not be taken out, killed, destroyed. Yes, I can do that. Who brings forth the chariot and the horse, the army and the power. 
They shall lie down together. They shall not rise. They're extinguished. They are quenched like a wick. Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Be anxious for nothing. Everything through prayer and supplication. Everything, no matter what you're going through, no matter how difficult it may seem, no matter how hopeless it may seem, God just encourages us to trust in his word. And I understand sometimes we're going through some things and, and it just seems like, Lord, just just fix this. But that may not be in your best interest. The Lord wants to teach. So everything he's going through, everything you're going through, no matter how difficult, he's working it. He's working it. He's doing something. He's doing something. And those, those times, that process requires fruit of the Spirit. And there's some fruit of the Spirit that just not sticking, not sticking at all. So a couple more and then uh, we're going to call it the evening. Now, behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness. You're in the wilderness. But Lord, look at the trees, look at the bushes, look at the, the thorns, thistles. I'll make a road for you so you can just walk through unscathed. I'll make your road easier. You just got to trust me. You got to know that I am God. I would do the right thing at the right time. And sometimes that's a big disconnect for us. Because the God that we worship doesn't wear a wristwatch. In his time, in his way. And a lot of times we just don't have the patience for that. The beasts of the field will honor me. The jackals and ostriches because I give waters in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Rivers in the desert? That, that doesn't make sense from a, when you're speaking to a man of science. But yeah, there are rivers in the desert. He can do that. To give drink to my people, my chosen. This people I have formed for myself. They shall declare my praise. If you want, you can take a certain part of this and apply it to your life. Well, I don't really know if the Lord understands my situation. Go back and look at anyone, any one of the characters in the Bible, any one of them. And then when you read that book, flip over to Hebrews 11 and see if they made it. And even if they didn't, the Lord had a plan all through their lives, every single one of them. Who can you relate to? Can you relate to Jonah? 
Can you relate to Moses? Can you relate to David? Can you relate to Esther? Can you relate to Jacob? Find a character. Go back and read that book. Entire book. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you, to guide you through it. Wait a minute. What I'm going through is nothing new. Yeah, that's why we threw Ecclesiastes in there, guys. There's a reason for that. We're not inventing anything. We're not going through anything that hasn't happened, is happening, or going to happen. He's gone before us and given us a template to follow in prayer. Understand the power of prayer. Prayer changes things just in case you hadn't heard. It does. The power of prayer is well beyond what anybody in this room can imagine. Anybody. Well, I had no idea that, you know, I I should just pray about it. But the Lord already knew. Why didn't he just take care of it? He wants to hear from us. He wants to communicate with us. He wants to talk to us. He wants us to listen. He wants us to express our thoughts and concerns. So just because he knows your heart, he still wants to hear from you. Prayer, pray. It can't be overdone. Pray, pray, pray. Repeat. Heavenly Father, we're just so thankful for uh, your grace, your mercy, and your Holy Spirit. And I pray now, Father, that if I've said even one word that dis- discouraged my sister, my brother, Father, I pray that you would just erase it from my minds even now. And I pray, Father, that e- each and every one of us heard something of encouragement, Father, the-, the willingness to believe in you no matter what, to never give up. We have a God who just, our God is even more relentless than our enemy. So I pray, Father, that you would just continue to just pour your Holy Spirit out on us. And, Father, if there's anyone here in the sound of our voice tonight who does not yet know you as a Lord and Savior, I pray that the night would be the night that they will come forth asking, what must I do to be saved? So I thank you for this opportunity to share with my friends, Father, and I thank you for just, uh, just who you are. And I thank you even more so for whose we are. May you receive the glory of our lives throughout this day and forevermore. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. God bless you guys.